everybody. Welcome back to the Insightful Thinkers podcast. As a part two to last week's episode, we'll now take a little bit of a closer look at the various approaches used to answer questions about the universality of facial expressions. We'll then conclude with some studies about the cultural differences in facial expressions. So as I mentioned last week, we're getting a little more into the weeds this week. Um, So hopefully you guys... uh, Enjoy the end of this this mini two-part series. Please view the episode description for the sources of this episode. So one of the main research methods in, uh, in studying the universality of facial expressions is by studying blind individuals. Since humans can easily learn and imitate emotional expressions from others, it can be difficult to know whether emotional expressions truly are innate. In other words, it may be the case that all the facial expressions that we see just occur because we just imitate them and we imitate what we see from others. So maybe facial expressions are simply learned rather than innate. This is why research is done with blind individuals, because blind individuals are limited in what they can observe and in what they can imitate. So this makes them really good for really good subjects for exploring the pure effect of biology and facial expressions. If blind individuals are making facial expressions, these expressions must be innate then because blind individuals clearly are not watching other people make expressions before imitating them. So they must have just come naturally from birth in everybody, whether you're blind or whether you can see. Congenitally blind individuals are some of the best research subjects in this area because they have the most limited social learning about how to produce facial expressions because they've been blind since birth. So what are the results from some of these studies with blind individuals? Well, there are many similarities between blind and sighted individuals and their facial expressions. This hints at the universality of facial expressions because it's impossible for blind people to simply be imitating others to produce facial expressions. So it suggests that facial expressions are innate in everybody and that they just come naturally, even if you're not able to imitate others, as, in, as is in the case of the blind individuals. Another finding is that the complex muscle combinations that are needed to form expressions have also been shown to fire immediately when, when blind individuals experience an emotion. They would not have these automatic, quick, snappy responses to produce a facial expression if, unless they were born with the capability of making facial expressions. So another hint that this facial expressions are innate and they're universal to everybody. Another main source of evidence for the, possi- the possible biological origins of emotional expression comes from studies of twins and related individuals. So this allows us to get at the genetic basis of these facial expressions. So the results of some of these studies, well, facial behaviors of blind individuals are more similar between family members than between strangers. So two siblings make more similar faces than two strangers do. Since genetically related people produce similar facial expressions, this means that genetics must play a role in creating that similarity of their expressions. So this points again to the innateness of facial expressions. You might be asking, why did these 
have, why did we have to study blind individuals even in these family studies? Well, if the researchers simply studied family members, it doesn't necessarily prove that facial expressions are genetic because the similarities between families could have just been because that's the way the family members see one another express emotions. So that's how each family member learns to express their own emotions. So just because they're genetically re related in that family, if they can see, then they still just might be imitating the expressions of their families. So they, they still needed to study blind individuals here. When you look at twin studies too, you see that facial expressions have also been shown to be more similar among identical twin pairs than fraternal twin pairs. Identical twins are 100% genetically related siblings, so essentially clones of one another, whereas fraternal twins are just 50% genetically related. So they're nothing more than two siblings born at the same time. Since the identical twins showed a greater similarity in their emotional expressions than fraternal twins, it shows that there's a genetic basis to emotional expressions. The identical twins have the same genetic material. So if they have very similar facial expressions and facial expressions that are more similar than the twins that don't share as much genetic material, then it points to the conclusion that there's a genetic basis to emotional expressions. We also have a line of evidence of the universality of facial expressions from infants. The same facial musculature that exists in adult humans exists in newborn infants. This musculature is fully functional at birth as well. Because of this, infants actually have a very rich repertoire of facial expressions. Smiling, distaste, distaste, which is the infant precursor to adult disgust, and crying, which is the universal signal of sadness or distress, all occur in these, these newborn infants. So again, these are more results showing emotions are not simply learned because they're present before any learning can even take place, even in the newborn. So we're all basically hardwired to produce these facial expressions. And the final line of evidence in the universality of facial expressions really comes from primates. The facial expressions considered to be universal among humans uh, have been in, observed in other species like primates, uh, and you look at chimpanzees, they have fully functional facial, mus facial musculature that includes the same muscles that are used in human facial expressions. Because of this, the chimpanzee face facial musculature also produces many of the same changes as the human musculature. Chimpanzees and rhesus monkeys can actually categorize facial expressions of emotion just like humans can. If you remember from part one where they had the tribes, people of New Guinea, and then also the Americans picking out, uh, mapping facial expressions onto which ones they are and identifying different facial expressions, chimps and rhesus monkeys can do that too. Don't ask me exactly how they studied this. I, I didn't read the study, but you can look into uh, Mandel and, and Awasthi's book. That is one of the two sources for these past couple episodes. They go in more into depth about that, what the primary source does. Chimpanzees also produce distinct laughs depending on contexts. And this is very similar to what human beings do as well. So even in another species, we see that emotions and emotional expressions seem to be ingrained. But there are still cultural differences in, express, in expressing facial emotions. 
a couple of things you might be asking yourself after hearing this, you might be saying, aren't facial expressions biologically wired? And more importantly, you might be asking, why is this problem so complex? Well, the issue is that facial expressions are some of the most complex nonverbal behaviors that exist. The face can produce both voluntary and involuntary movements. And this is what makes researching the face so complicated. Facial signals that are involuntarily produced are universal, but the voluntary or the learned facial expressions can significantly vary actually across cultures. So despite the existence of universal facial expressions of emotion, people around the world use these universal expressions in a little bit of a different way. They modulate it. And the first evidence for this, for this, uh, these cultural differences in facial expressions was actually in the second condition of a study we mentioned last week. It was Friesen's 1972 study. Americans and Japanese viewed stressful films alone. Then they saw the films in the presence of an experimenter. When the experimenter was around, the Americans continued to express their negative emotions. But the Japanese were more likely to put on a fake smile. The videotapes showed that the Japanese people still had the, those initial negative emotions, but then they quickly replaced them with very polite smiles. This brought to light a really important caveat to the universality of facial expressions. The innate expressions remain intact, but they interact with culturally specific behaviors. Both the Americans and the Japanese had those innate same reactions to the stressful movie or the stressful short film. But once those initial reactions get filtered through whatever culture you're a part of, that produces the change in the observable behavior. So it's the combination of the innate reaction and the culture that determine the observable expression that's produced. And this brought researchers onto what's called display rules. Display rules are social norms learned early in childhood to help individuals modify their emotional expressions depending on the social circumstances that they're in. These display rules provide a way of behaving that is consistent with the normal behaviors in a certain culture. Sometimes by putting on a different face than what your inner experience is suggesting, it can be helpful depending on what culture you're a part of. It was only when viewing the stressful film in the presence of the experimenter when display rules were activated in the Japanese participants. So the Japanese had a display rule not to express their negative emotions outwardly. So they masked their negative feelings by smiling. Because the Americans didn't have this same display rule, they didn't change their expressions much. Whether they were with the experimenter or not, they still showed their negative reactions. They didn't put on a fake or a polite smile. So this kind of gets us more into the weeds about the cultural differences. And there are some general cultural differences in the expression of emotions. And it's between individualistic cultures and collectivistic cultures. Individualistic cultures stress individual goals and the rights of the individual person. Collectivistic cultures focus on group goals and what is best for the collective group. Individualism is typically found in North America and much of Western Europe. 
Collectivism is typically found in the Middle East, Asia, and parts of Africa. What are the differences here in the way individualistic individuals of individualistic cultures versus individuals of collectivistic cultures express their emotions? Well, collectivistic cultures have been found to show less expression overall than individualistic cultures. This suggests that expression management is central to the preservation of social order in the collectivistic cultures. They have to put on the face to maintain that order. They're more a part of that group. For the podcast listeners, we're going to put a graph up on the screen. Well, I guess for the YouTube viewers, but for the podcast listeners, uh, you can check out the, the website. I'll, I'll post the image on there. Uh, if you're running or you're driving or something and you can't look at it right now, make make a note because this is it, it is a really interesting graph, but I'll explain it as well as I can regardless. So basically, if you can imagine this, it's it's individualism on the x-axis and then how much you basically express yourself on the y-axis. And what they find is that the more individualistic the culture is, so the further right on the graph, the more they express themselves. So at the top right of the graph, you see the most individualistic cultures. You see Canada, USA, you see Australia, New Zealand, countries and these European countries as well are up there, like I mentioned. But the more collectivistic cultures, they're 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 lower on the individual the individualism scale and they express themselves a lot less so in the bottom left of the graph very low individualism you see low facial expressions or not as much like indonesia hong kong malaysia south korea some of these asian countries so this is kind of the way it works some of these results then uh, in accordance with these results are individualism equals more expression generally of positive emotions. Individualism also equals more expression of all emotions toward in-groups, so people of the same culture. And individualism also equals more expression of happiness and surprise, even among members of out-groups, so people of other cultures. Another study with athletes from individualistic versus collectivistic cultures revealed some things too. So the athletes' initial reactions were universal, but their subsequent expressions were determined by their culture. This is very similar to that American versus Japanese study when they were watching the films. Both the Americans and the Japanese both had that initial reaction that was the same. That's universal. Those initial facial expressions, those quick snappy ones, even among the blind people. But then it's your culture that modulates how you're fully going to express yourself. Athletes from individualistic cultures express their emotions more. Athletes from more collectivistic cultures masked their emotions more. So this still shows Facial expressions are universal and innate, but that mask that gets put on after that initial reaction is very dependent on culture. It's just like we talked about earlier. The innate expressions remain intact, but then they interact and they get filtered through whatever culture you're in. It's the combination of the innate reaction and the culture that determines the facial expression that we can observe. Cumulatively, these findings provide quite the nuanced view of the relationship between culture and display rules. People from individualistic cultures do not seem to conceal their emotions quite as much. 
I hope these past couple of episodes have helped to clarify some of the issues about the universality of emotion. I know we really got into the weeds a little more here, but uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. One of the main conclusions, of course, is that emotions and subsequent expressions seem to really be universal across cultures, but it's the exact output of what these emotional expressions look like that really differs. But even despite the vastest differences that exist between cultures, the universality of facial expression remains, as does the universality of so many other things. We can continue to remind ourselves of these words from the great Maya Angelou that will never cease to be true. We are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. We are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. This podcast is a production of Insightful Thinkers Media.